Support for another round comes from Squarespace. Start building your own website today at squarespace.com. Enter offer code another round at checkout and get 10% off. It's your birthday. Yay. Hi, everyone. I'm Heaven. I'm Tracy. Wow. <laughs> and welcome to another round with Heaven and Tracy. <laughs> we out here elongating shit. That was beautiful. We should do Thank that you. every time. Yo, Tracy, we have such a great show today. I'm excited. What's going on? So, first of all, we are bringing back little-known black history facts and little-known white history heroes by popular demand. So, if you're just if you didn't hear the first installment of these two Get your life together. specifically white history heroes, <laughs> I may not physically make it through <laughs> this edition. I died twice in the studio last time. Um, Matt Bellasai is so so hilarious. Our caucasity correspondent is stopping through. (laughs) We also have Julianne Shepard on. uh, We're going to talk all things Kanye album. Oh, yay. (laughs) Don't sound so excited. (laughs) (laughs) And we're really excited to have Van Newkirk on, um, a.k.a. Five Fifths on Twitter, a.k.a. Mm -hmm. just that nigga from Twitter. (laughs) (laughs) So a jam-packed show. Let's do it. Let's get into it. All right, friends, Black History Month is coming to a close, but it's not over yet. We still have much more celebrating to do and much more knowledge to receive. Earlier this month, we um, broke you off a piece of Little Known Black History Facts. (laughs) Um, All the stuff that is not in your history books, which is basically everything. (laughs) There's nothing in your history books. Oh, depressed laugh. (laughs) So we got some more for you. So let's get into it. Kevin and Tracy read a list, a list, a list, a list. So first up, we have Pauletta Pooh Spencer. (laughs) Once again, that's Pauletta Pooh Spencer. (laughs) Was the first person to create baby hair by using gel in an old toothbrush. (laughs) Old school. Old school. I'm so glad because I have so many baby hairs. (laughs) I'm glad someone is like, let me make something out of this. Yo, baby hair is lush. It is too much. No such thing as too much baby hair. Well, I'm glad that Pauletta... (laughs) Um, I think you mean Pooh, as she is known. Excuse me. (laughs) Paved the way. (laughs) Uh, Next up, Courtney Flo Ellis was the first person to inquire as to where Brooklyn at. (laughs) Yo, why come nobody ever knows where Brooklyn is? Y'all been here for how long? locate Brooklyn. (laughs) (laughs) Where Brooklyn at? Where Brooklyn at? Seriously, where is Brooklyn? Is it this way? How do I get there? What train do I catch? What train do I catch? Figure it out, New Yorkers. Oh, man. Dwayne Freeman was the first person to yell, ooh, this is my jam, when his <laughs> song came on at the before? club. <laughs> Did they just dance they and just not announce there? it? That's awkward and inappropriate. You must announce how you feel on the dance floor. <laughs> Janet Miles Query was the first person to tell somebody they play so much. Mm. Great play so much. I use that so much. Yeah, and I love how versatile a phrase that is. Because you can say it when somebody's like being goofy. So, like, girl, you play too much. <laughs> or when like you really about to fight somebody. It's like, ooh, you play too much. <laughs> so versatile. Next up, we have Peter Sweet Pete Warsh. <laughs> what? The streets knew him as Sweet Pete. <laughs> <laughs> and he was the first person to shorten the pet name Babe. To Bay. Aw. White people, y'all don't even know about him. You stole his word. <laughs> that was centuries ago. you ruined it. <laughs> Apologize to Sweet Pete. My favorite is when they make up an acronym for this. Oh, they're just like, oh my God, this means before anyone else. That's crazy. No, you can't. Why would you say before anyone else to right, anyone? Right. You, Ooh, are girl, you are my before anyone else. Anyone else. <laughs> that is so. Grammatically so doesn't even dumb. make sense. Do your research, white people. Oh, this is important. Quintessa Higgins was the first person to use the phrase girl bye to dismiss someone. That's that's history right there. I know. Fun fact, in Louisville, we say girl boo instead of girl bye. What? Girl boo. I love that. Yeah. We should make it a thing up here, too. Girl boo. (laughs) (laughs) I like it. I like it. Next up, we have Oris O'Nasty Flowers. Oh, my goodness. He was a player back in the day. (laughs) He's the first person to hit on a woman by asking, where your man at? 
Oh, oh my God. Hate the dude. How yeah. dare you? And finally, we have young Miss Notoria. Don't hate me because you ain't me, baby. Just congratulate <laughs> me. Off it. Oh, my God. Who was the first person to have a ridiculously long and foolish <laughs> middle name on Facebook. Shame on you all. Trendsetters. Someone had to start it. <laughs> no. Someone. Who will be the one to end it is the question. <laughs> Maybe it's you. You too can put an end to name fires. You must. So. <laughs> Put an end to name fires on Facebook. <laughs> I hope you enjoyed our highly informative Little Known Black History facts. If you did and you want more, you are in luck because there is an entire Tumblr dedicated to it. It goes back, I think, five years or so. That address is littleknownblackhistoryfacts.tumblr.com. And you should also check out the BuzzFeed post, the 18 best little known black history facts, and look at the artwork because a really, really dope artist named Xavier Payne illustrated them and they are beautiful. I'm going to print them out and like frame them. So as you know, whenever you mention Black History Month, there is a white person in the background somewhere screaming about White History Month. <laughs> So we decided to be very generous to said people again and welcome back our white history expert, Mr. Matt Bellaside, to tell us about some more white history heroes. Welcome, welcome. Back again, drunk again, <laughs> bringing my knowledge. The Matt Bellaside story. <laughs> All right. Who are some white people we should be celebrating? <laughs> who are the white heroes of Black History Month? The unsung white heroes. <laughs> Logan Beer Can. <laughs> Why is his last name just Beer Can? <laughs> That's what it's. I, I don't know where the origin of that is. So oh it's real. my gosh! Okay. First person to say the words. Uh, I can't be racist because I don't even see color. Mm, <laughs> That's <real>. Logan. Mm, <laughs> Logan Beer Can. Trendsetter. Claire Clarelson. <laughs> First person to identify as 10% French, 20% Scandi Croatian, 40% Native Floridian, and 10% Mayonnaisian. Y'all made me listen everything. They do. Oh, I'm not white. List a bunch of white. Five men. European countries. <laughs> Ma'am. She set the trend. Mm. Now we can't just say we're white. <laughs> Gotta list the percentages. We have to list it out. Oh my gosh. It's Tanner just... Von Trapp Third. <laughs> First person to refer to the United States as the U.S. of A. <laughs> or, yeah, baby, do it. Or these it. United States. <laughs> Wait, for those at home taking notes, what was his name again? Tanner Von Trapp the third. Third. Declan McDucklin. <laughs> First person to threaten to kill his family because they took away his fucking Xbox. <laughs> He really set the standard on that one. <laughs> Declan McDucklin. He's he actually comes his pictures in every Xbox handbook. How to fight your family. <laughs> what to do. And the final white history hero, Heather McDumplin. <laughs> I don't know why all of these people are Irish, but they are. <laughs> First person to say, I have a black friend in reference to their dentist. Oh, <laughs> my God. I don't really know what I meant by that one. Yo, I can definitely tell when I am someone's black friend. Can you? How can you tell? Because their name is Matt Bellasar. <laughs> Besides Matt. <laughs> no, you can just tell like they... They have way too many questions. I was like, oh, no one else in your life is providing some answers for you. <laughs> they just have a, a preponderance of questions. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Thank you so much for stopping by, Matt. Where can the people find your work? Sorry, I was taking a shot. <laughs> uh, you can find me on Twitter, Tumblr, Instagram, Facebook as Matt Bellasai. Bell-ass-A-I. <laughs> That's how you spell my last name. Yo, thank you so much for stopping by, Matt. Thank you. You've done thank a great you, service for the community. We appreciate you. You're welcome.
So now joining us for a conversation about all things Kanye West, everything from his music, his fashion, to Kanye West himself as a public persona, the tweets, etc., <laughs> is Julianne Escobedo Shepard. Yeah. Um, she's the culture editor at Jezebel. You've created like a nice little nook over there where you write some dope things. You're, at, you're at Rookie. She's an adjunct at um, the NYU Clive Davis Institute for Recorded Music. Ooh. Yes. I see you, girl. <laughs> and honestly, just like one of the best like pop culture writers, ah. I think. What up, what up? So Kanye has a new album called The Life of Pablo. It had a million other names before that. And it had been teased for like basically a year and a half. It's been Yeezy season for a long time is what I'm saying. (laughs) As of this taping, the album is not officially out yet, but it's streaming on Tidal. That's the only way you can listen to it, which is rude. But all right, Kanye. (laughs) (laughs) But Kanye premiered the, The Life of Pablo in a very unique way. He had a sold out show at Madison Square Garden that was basically like a giant listening party. Mm -hmm. Plus, he debuted his new fashion line, Yeezy Season 3 there. But talking about this fashion stuff does also, it comes up a lot in in his music. One of the like reoccurring topics definitely seems to be this. There's these very specific spaces that you guys are not letting me in. Mm -hmm. Everyone else get angry with me. Yeah. Anyways, what do you make of the album? (laughs) So I'm still absorbing the album. Yeah, same. But I agree. I think that he's really embracing his contradictions. And I think that he's channeling this idea that he wants to be Steve Jobs. And, you know, these people who are Steve Jobs basically now, or at least tech people and mm. fashion, high fashion people, are viewing him skeptically and not letting him in mm-hmm. one I don't I can't speak to the tech world but specifically in the fashion world like it is not easy to be a black model in the fashion world right. much less a, a black designer, designer. Mm-hmm. and that's changing incrementally a little bit but it's still like and then when you're an outsider or perceived to be an outsider then yeah, yeah. double that so I think that he's really bumped up against a a lot of naysayers that way and I think that's very real I think that if you read mm. people on Twitter they think like oh Kanye like I think that's real super real yeah mm-hmm. one of the earlier tracks in the album he says something like um I'd be scared if they're not talking about me and I mm. feel like that's what so much of this is designed to do and he's not just dumbly putting on lyrics about Taylor and Ray mm. J <laughs> I think he's seriously like oh this is going to go viral, cause controversy, yeah, and will keep me relevant, I guess. Maybe yeah. he's not consciously thinking of that, but I don't even want to talk about it. I don't even want to say nothing. Everybody gonna say something. I'll be worried if they say nothing. So, what are you most excited about on this album right now? You know, the production is incredible, and I think that he, even though other people, you know, help him produce it, I think that he has like a very incredible vision and mm. he he's taking it i just think it's just more succinct mm-hmm. um the metro Boomin track the second track is mm-hmm. like the best beat i've ever heard in my yes. life <laughs> when it came on i was like shit i need to be in a car this mm. is I know. bumping <laughs> i know <laughs> We should yeah. definitely talk about the gospel parts of this. I mean, yeah. the entire album. He called it a gospel album. Yeah. He did call it a gospel album. Uh-huh. Let me say, I love gospel music. I grew up um, Southern Baptist. Um, I like the music more so than like the church part. Like that was like <laughs> the big appeal for going to church for me. And the first time I heard this album, like I heard it without knowing that he described it as a gospel album. Mm-hmm. And I heard it and I was like, hmm, there's a lot of gospel influence in here. Like the gospel choir on Ultra Light Beam, for example, which is like my favorite song of the album. He brought Kirk Franklin back. What? Excuse mm. me? We on a ultra light beam. We on a ultra light beam. This is a God dream. This is a God dream. This is everything. Ultra Light Beams so far is still my favorite because it's so good. But he's just curating on it, essentially. Mm -hmm. It's like, who doesn't want to hear 
like a Kelly Price and like gospel choir and yes. then even the dream sounds amazing on it. Yeah. Like, the and dream sounds chance. Chance. Pop song. <laughs> yes. Chance to me is the star of this entire album. Yeah. This is my part, nobody else speak. This little light of mine. Glory be to God, yeah. I'ma make sure that they go where they can't go. If they don't wanna ride, I'ma still give them raincoats. Know what God said when he made the first rainbow? Just throw this at the end of fucking late for the ain't throw. So Kanye tweeted about how Pablo refers to Paul, the apostle, not Pablo Picasso, not Pablo Escobar, (laughs) and that how he was the most sort of successful of all the apostles because he was, you know, people could understand him and he was Mm -hmm. ouchia, I guess. (laughs) But um, (laughs) as they say, Paul Paul was ouchia. As far as it being like a gospel album, not really buying it because gospel as I know it is meant to like testify and like praise God for his or her goodness like whatever your particular God is mm. God grace and salvation right mm-hmm. but I feel like this only works as a gospel album if the God being praised is Kanye which maybe that's how he meant it and then sure <laughs> then maybe it's a gospel album but as far as like the genre goes I, I'm not I'm not buying it wait what do you mean I feel like the album's about faith and salvation and everything you just listed. It very much feels to me like he's like, I'm dealing with all these things. Mm-hmm. Not all of them are related, so some of these thoughts are jumbled. Mm-hmm. Yeah, But I'm really, really trying to keep to my faith. Yeah, but I feel like that's not like the the main, that's not like the meat of the album. You know what I mean? Like in the discussion of somebody's like personal struggles and like a personal testimony, that's one thing. But like... Tell me out, you know, if I if I have sex with this model who just bleached her asshole, and, you know what I mean? Like, Bobby Jones ain't gonna be like, yeah, sure. <laughs> I feel like anyone can call their album a gospel album. Oh yeah, they can. Def- they definitely can. I'm just saying, like the go- the tradition of gospel music as I know it, like this is not included in the margin. I mean, I know nothing, so I trust your judgment. <laughs> <laughs> I I do like the idea of Kanye's sort of grappling with things i'm not sure if i like all of the ways that he does it Mm -hmm. but i like i also like the idea of thinking about him writing this album and contemplating the fact that he's a now a two-time dad yeah i love the way that he talks about his family on this album interspersed with talking about like fucking models with bleached assholes yeah (laughs) one of the sloppier lines yeah (laughs) terrible (laughs) really bad i feel like this is the first time he's really more openly talked about what might be called depression. Yeah. Mm. Because he's talked about it in interviews immediately after his mom died, but Mm -hmm. nowhere else really. And he like, if you're on first name basis with Lexapro, there's something going on. Yeah. But I also hate to be like a armchair diagnosis. Yeah. Yeah, Because I feel like that's a, yeah, that's a, that's really, I don't know. I feel like it's so stripping. Yeah, it's also right. really dangerous too. Like that, you can just throw like actual medical illnesses and situations around that way without actually understanding it. Like, I mean, it fucks it up for the rest of us who actually are dealing with things that we've right. been diagnosed with. Right. I feel like I've seen a lot of people on Twitter and you know trying to really saying like, "Oh, Kanye's really manic right now," and it's like mm-hmm. we don't have any idea. And also, when he shouted out Lexapro, I heard that line at MSG, and I was like, "Yes, shout <laughs> out to Lexapro, shout out to Lexapro," because literally that shit keeps me going and like maybe if he would come on our show we could talk about (laughs) it (laughs) Kanye but I I do I think for me my often why I don't even want to talk about Kanye with people is because I associate it with my own depression or Mm. what I don't want to again not armchair diagnosing but he talks a lot about pulling from those dark sad places and you could I wish I had faith for that Mm. but I just don't believe I feel like that's a that's a thing Kanye gives me. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh. Shout out to Lexapro. Yeah. <laughs> Shout out to Lexapro. It's so relatable to think of like you go off Lexapro and that shit does something to you. Mm-hmm. But so, but also when he was tweeting, he's probably still tweeting right now. He's been <laughs> tweeting like intermittently every half hour uh-huh. for the past three days. And I was just like, this dude seems really lonely to me, honestly, mm-hmm. because like 
the he has all these ideas and obviously he's you know wants to share them with his fans and people who love him and I taught a um a class of high school of high schoolers on Saturday and they worship him mm-hmm. like he is like we're a little older <laughs> <laughs> um than like these like high school juniors but they so maybe it's different because they've grown up with him just being like the most important mm-hmm. but like it is every single move so like to hear him talk about these things it's mm-hmm. really important i think and i think that adults sort of miss that because adults <laughs> because we're like oh what's good with kanye like but when he's like tweeting about like don't let your dream don't mm-hmm. give up on your dreams it's like that means a lot yeah i think that's a part another part of the reason why i find the armchair diagnosis insulting you're mistaking someone dreaming out loud Mm-hmm. Yeah, or like you're clinically something is happening with you. Yeah, that's so insulting. It is yeah. to like your whole humanity. Yeah, mm-hmm. I feel like he's working out his thoughts or his relationship to the word crazy on this album. Yeah, true. Name one genius that ain't crazy. Okay, so it, for me, Kanye has always been a really, really polarizing figure on a lot of different fronts, and for me, I think one of the biggest fronts is the misogyny i mean there's the taylor line in the music where he's talking about making that bitch famous and like having sex with her one day and there's the bill cosby tweet where he just tweeted bill cosby innocent in all capital letters with at least three exclamation points possibly four (laughs) um and then then sorry no go ahead but then there's also the lyric and facts where he says do anybody feel bad for bill cosby did Mm. he forget the names just like steve harvey it's hard because it's like he's always had like a little bit of misogyny, I mm-hmm. feel. But like it is it's just like what is going on? Like the Bill yeah. Cosby shit. Yeah. I'm like Right, like what? and then there's like all the stuff that he says repeatedly about Amber Rose, repeatedly. And I'm just I don't know if it's beginning to be too much for me. I mean we all listen to like a lot of really problematic music, right? Mm-hmm. Especially if you like rap and hip hop. Your favorite is yep. very, very problematic. <laughs> so yep. it's not that I can't listen to music with misogynistic lyrics. I listen to some horrible shit a lot and I dance real hard to it. But lately I'm just like, uh, I don't know how long I can rock with this for music that doesn't excite me as much as it used to, you know? We all choose our lines. <laughs> yeah, and I don't I don't know. Has Kanye crossed the line for you? Yeah, I really don't know. I really can't tell. We have to talk about the Taylor Swift moment. Yes. Yeah. Um, so someone is lying here. Kanye <laughs> says he got approval for the line in Famous mm-hmm. where he says, that know me best. I feel like me and Taylor might still have sex. Why? I made that bitch famous. Goddamn. I made that bitch famous. He says Taylor approved the line. Yeah. So then Taylor's people said she did not by any means approve this. Mm-hmm. Right. And she thought she warned him to not put something so misogynistic out there. Mm. So someone's lying. <laughs> yeah. Who do you think is lying? I feel like it might be somewhere in the middle, honestly. Taylor's people are notoriously protective of her paper. Mm-hmm. And if she's out there being like, yeah, it's okay. Like her, that's a scandal. Like yeah. her, mm-hmm. her um, fucking fans are going to be like, you would have, your, Taylor has sex or whatever. <laughs> <laughs> and it's like a big thing. So, like, But I mean, they're friends, right? I think they're friends. Are they you think Taylor and Kanye like, are friends? I've heard they hang out sometimes and it's like all good. Maybe this is all, it's all a plot by both of them. They're like, hey, how can we make this moment that happened years ago yeah. still pay off keeps <laughs> in the news? Tell you what, I'm going to say some bullshit about you and then you can be like, I didn't tell them to say that. And then I get my controversy and then you look great. Yeah. I don't think so. <laughs> no, that doesn't seem like, but that would be good. They yeah. like ride out laughing into the sunset. <laughs> well, like, just throwing money I around. <laughs> in a convertible. Riding up to the sunset. But I do think that moment cemented him in white America's mind. Oh, absolutely. The, it didn't the, make her famous. The mm-hmm. moment where he stole her VMA moment to talk about Beyonce. Right. Listen, I wasn't listening to her music before that. Like, I didn't know who the mm-hmm. hell. I mean, it, you know, that's not yeah. like my music zone. And I know people right. who like listen to yeah. her. And, like, but I wasn't like, I was like, okay, like she won this thing. Mm-hmm. Like, I don't think that she he's responsible for her fame. But I think that it furthered her in the public consciousness. Mm-hmm. Where, the Kanye Taylor stuff, man, it is just so hard for 
uh, <laughs> for a doubly or triply conscious people in America. Like, because talk about a time when you have to decide mm. whether to be a woman or to be black and then <laughs> not be able to do it. You know, it's like, oh, you know, he's fucking over Taylor right now. That's yeah. not cool. But Taylor is doing her, oh, woe is me. Oh, my God. thing. Every time she does that, I'm like, you grew up on a Christmas tree farm. Like, you can't <laughs> even get more, like, super privileged and blessed than that. Like, it's like a magical fairy is tended to your nanny shit. I don't know. Like, right. But, yo, yeah, I feel that. Like, mm-hmm. how, like, how do you navigate that? Because... Obviously, a lot of Kanye's misogyny has been directed towards black women in the past. And Mm. so like, but I think that there are a lot of, there are multitudes in this specific situation where it's like, he sort of tries to draw and has been since my beautiful black, my beautiful dark twisted (laughs) fantasy drawing on the history of black men being vilified and um, lynched Mm -hmm. for um, even talking to white women. Yeah. And so I think that there's a lot of history in that Taylor line. But mm. then also it's like, God, come on, dog. Yeah, I did feel also just like a cheap trick. Yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. Like, and, and also like, what is Kim thinking right now? I listened to that right? album and that was my man. I'd be like, all right, <laughs> you're out of here. <laughs> yeah. You're sleeping in the guest house for at least three weeks. Like, mm. I did find myself thinking that a lot during this album. Mm. This conversation with you has already been better than like a thousand percent of the writing I've oh my read God, about him. Absolutely, <laughs> like it feels informed. There's background. <laughs> Who knew you could do that with a Kanye review? <laughs> oh my God! But Kanye did tweet recently um, to Pitchfork, Rolling Stone, New York Times, and, uh, and any other white publication. Please do not comment on black music anymore. <laughs> <laughs> One yes, we can't erase the black people or people of color writing for white publications also Kanye (laughs) yeah Kanye no seriously someone tweeted like well that's cool but when are you gonna go talk to a black publication Mm. like you're granting (laughs) interviews to like New York Times and to W that Mm -hmm. like yeah, you know, W, our... come on. Yeah. <laughs> Kanye, please come on our show. We come correct. <laughs> Thank you so much for sitting with us and yes. giving us all your knowledge. Mm-hmm. I hope you spread this wisdom for everyone throughout the land. I'm sure you will. Because Thank we need so more much. Kanye writing like this. Yes. Like Where this can... Kanye speaking. <laughs> Thank you so much for having me. Where can people find you and your work? Jezebel.com. Um, you can tweet me at Jonita, J-A-W-N-I-T-A. Oh my God, I love it. Thank you for coming by and listening to me ramble because this is not a conversation I have a lot. I'm just always like, Kanye makes me feel weird. (laughs) But he makes good song music, so. Thank you. Okay, we are going to take a break to pay some bills. And when we get back, we will be talking to the one and only Mr. Van R. Newkirk II, a.k.a. Webby Dubois. (laughs) Genius. Support for another round comes from Squarespace. With Squarespace, sites look professionally designed regardless of your skill level. They take the guesswork out of the complicated stuff. Which brings us to a little thing we call the search result drinking game. The rules are simple, Tracy. I'll present you with two search results, and you'll have to guess which one was searched more on the internet. If you guess wrong, you drink. Duh. (laughs) So I'm going to give you two options. You have to tell me which was the most searched thing on the internet. Okay. Which one was searched more? Am I dying or am I living? Oh, my God. Am I dying? I wonder that several times a day. Is that your final answer? That's my final answer. That is incorrect. People are out here in these streets searching, am I living? (laughs) What does that even mean? (laughs) People, get your lives together. I'm worried for you. I don't know. Maybe they're having an existential crisis. Am I really living or am I just existing? mm, Like, am I alive or am I just living? You know what? I feel that. I ask myself that question also several times a day. All right. I'll I drink. Here we go. Start your free trial today at squarespace.com. The site is intuitive and the tools are easy to use and there's no coding required. And if you sign up for a year, you get a completely free domain. When you sign up, make sure to use the offer code ANOTHERROUND to get 10% off your first purchase. 
Y'all, we wanted to have our next guest on the show because he is very smart and he's very hilarious. And he's one of the few people that I think I know who's really into Afrofuturism, which I have a lot of questions about. Um, He writes his ass off. I think I see like 17 new articles from this dude a week. Um, He tweets as Five Fists on Twitter. And if you are not following him, (laughs) then you are not using Twitter correctly. Facts. Facts. Please consult your Twitter manual. (laughs) Um, He is the co-founder of the site Seven Scribes. And I'm very excited to hear more about that, too. Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome to the show. Mr. Van Newkirk, the second. Yeah, thanks what for up, having me. The first time I us. met you, it was at the National Association of Black Journalists Conference. Indeed. And a girl went up to him. <laughs> was like, yo, you're that nigga from Twitter. <laughs> yes, yes. So I didn't want that to be his bio, but he's that nigga from Twitter. <laughs> no, that's going on my tombstone. That nigga from Twitter. Put it on your resume, too. How long have you been on Twitter? What's the story behind your name? So I've been on Twitter since 2009. Uh, actually, I, I joined a couple of weeks before MJ died. Mm. And I actually don't remember my original screen name. Mm. But I think right around the time when MJ died, I switched it to Five Fifths. I was like really woke mm-hmm. as a 20-year-old. <laughs> like, you know, my third eye was, was wide open. Uh. I was like levitating. Uh, and so Five Fifths, you know, I was thinking of Three Fifths Compromise with mm-hmm. the, the black folks counting as a less than one one vote. And I was thinking, I was doing like uh, field work in mm. South Carolina and was like, okay, I want to represent my full wokeness. Mm. <laughs> so mm. five fifths. And I, I just tell people I like fractions too. Yeah. yeah. This, this Does anyone cool. believe that? Nobody A lot likes of people fractions. actually think that I'm like a math person. Yeah. That's amazing. That's but amazing. you're actually a science person, right? Yeah. Um. Why did that happen? I don't know people who like science in my like actual life. Why did that happen? <laughs> I, as is, I think, customary for most sort of smart black kids in the South, mm-hmm. I had two career options. One was being a doctor and one was being a lawyer. Mm. And so I was supposed to be a doctor. And I did doctor things uh-huh. until I was maybe 21 and decided I was not going to be a doctor. And my family disowned me. So, yeah. Like literally disowned you? My grandmother stopped returning my calls for like two <gasps> years. Wow. Oh my god! Yeah. Where are you from? From Rocky Mountain, North Carolina. Yeah, Yay. It is. You've probably never been there. No. Yeah. <laughs> but I know where North Carolina is, though. I That's know it's good. in the That's South. Yeah. So you get points with me. Um, so, wow. She was really invested in you being a doctor. Everyone was. when the whole. I, I let the whole hood down. And oh, man. And you let the hood down, they let you know. Mm. Yeah. What do you mean? So I was supposed I was the first person that was supposed to be a doctor, and that's a big deal, right? Mm. There's like a coronation thing for for all the people that's supposed to be doctors. I was supposed to come back and and bring prestige to the town. Mm-hmm. Why and doctor instead of lawyer? I had a speech impediment. Uh, I couldn't read good. Lawyer just wasn't going to work for me. Mm. Yeah, okay. but now you're a writer. Yeah, it's weird, isn't it? Yeah, <laughs> I would say yes. Houseway. <laughs> um, I practice a lot, and I started blogging. Because I was really woke, mm-hmm. uh, I started blogging about this really uh, big racist incident in my high school that's picked up into more blogging and ended up doing... Wait, what happened? Yeah. There was a, a march by all the black students in my high school because the white students marched to protest the fact that we had to actually go watch a play during MLK Day instead of having the day completely off. Whoa, 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 whoa. Whoa, yeah, yeah. whoa, whoa, whoa. What? That was their movement. Yes. <laughs> because as Martin Luther King marched, <laughs> so, so shall they. Yes. You know what? Whenever I think about like, <laughs> whenever I see like tweets from people talking about reverse racism and like white oppression and I'm like, what, how are you oppressed? This is always the kind of answer that I envision. I had to go to a play once. We had to once. go see a play <laughs> on King Day. This is my time. But I they, do what I want. They still had the rest of the day. They had right? the rest of the damn day off. Wow. Oh, yeah. my so, goodness. So the black students had a counter protest. Yeah. Well, it started. How many, they, of, the, how many of them were you? Like eight. Oh. Yeah. Out yeah. of? Out of 600. Oh. Yeah. Oh. Yeah. I understand. We protested our asses off, though, I all understand. eight of us. So, yeah. <laughs> So we went from this wild protest situation to you started, like, that's your impetus to start blogging. Right. Talk to me, though, about overcoming the hurdles to being a writer, because you said that you had some, um, this, well, I guess speech impediment wouldn't really keep you from writing, but the Dyslexia. reading, yeah. Yeah. It's still a challenge today, uh, and it's never not going to be a challenge. But, mm-hmm. yeah, I just practice, uh, and I 
have dyslexic friends who help me out with my sort of tics, the things I get uh, hung up on. Mm -hmm. And it's really about just memorizing a lot of what you do badly. So I'm terrible at mixing up there and there, so -hmm. much so that I will never, ever mix it up in anything that you see because I like check. Like hyper aware of that. Hyper aware of that. Yeah. So that sounds so laborious because writing alone is can be torturous it's torturous for me like just the labor of like formulating your sentences and like the self-editor that you have to fight so it's very amazing and remarkable to me that you write so much I was on seven scribes the other day and I really love that y'all have um the little section that shows pictures of all the writers and like how many (laughs) articles they have yeah you have 20 everybody else has like two or three (laughs) Tell the people a little more about what Seven Scribes is. Okay. How well, it started. Seven Scribes, we are a, uh, I don't even know if I can say new anymore. It's always been the tagline is we're, we're about a year old now, uh, a site geared towards millennials of color, of course, uh, curated, edited, and owned by black millennials. Mm-hmm. And uh, what we do a lot of is sort of things that may not have traction elsewhere. So things that don't have to be really hard-hitting, immediate uh, news analyses like if you want to write about a blacksmith uh, who is one of the last blacksmiths in Sweden we have the space for that mm. and we think that it enriches the space and allows people especially people of color to, to expand and explore and mm. we do a lot of advocacy for young writers who you know I think a lot of people get exploited in this freelance environment oh my god what and, do you mean well, it's a, especially for black folks. We see this happen all the time where they write some bullshit article mm-hmm. and an editor is like, yeah, that's good. We're going to run that because it's black and we need this content, content, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. And they get put out and then there's a backlash and you don't get any bylines anymore because black Twitter is like, nah, fuck you. Mm-hmm. So, uh, yeah, that's usually like the life cycle for a lot of black freelancers is you mm-hmm. get two or three bad bylines and you're out of here. Mm-hmm. That's so we crazy. get a lot of questions about... Um, like how to make it as a writer. Have you had any like meaningful good advice on that front or have some to give to other people? Yeah, so I think the big thing is, especially if you're getting started, and this is this mistake that I made as well, if you're getting started, there's always an emphasis for a lot of folks, I have to write every day. Mm. I have to get this put out every day. I have to get mm. people to get their eyes on it. I have to build up my name, you know, piece by piece by piece. This is a linear path. Yeah. I have to build a beat. I have to get good at these things. And I think none of those things are true. I think the first thing about writing is to get better at writing, you need to be self-reflective. And that includes knowing when not to write Hmm. and knowing when you're good and and how you're good and what makes you good. And I don't think volume is always the case. You're one to speak, sir. (laughs) I write a lot, but Mm -hmm. I think in my case... It's what makes me like the act of writing about one thing will trigger my thoughts on something else. Mm-hmm. But if that doesn't work for you. It doesn't work for you. And I think people sort of subscribe to all these one size fits all uh, pieces of advice. And I think part of it is just exploration. And the, the beauty is in the journey and the exploration. This is very hippie sounding. I realize this, but <laughs> writing the whole point of it is learning yourself and, mm. and learning and, and delving into what makes you you. So, don't take that journey for granted. Enjoy yeah. it, cherish it, relish it. That was beautiful. I know. Thank you. Thank yeah. you. I don't know how often you change your Twitter name. It's actually my name now. It's Van Newkirk. Oh, oh you are yeah. professional. Oh, yeah. Wait, sorry. Well, what was... Van R. Newkirk, the second. Oh, excuse yes. me. <laughs> but at one point, it was Webby Du Bois. Yes, <laughs> it was Webby Du Bois. There's this tweet you actually wrote. But it was attributed to W.E.B. Du Bois, not Webby Du Bois, W.E.B. <laughs> the one. <laughs> but because of your Twitter name, everybody thought that it came from the actual Du Bois. Yes. What What happened? So actually, if you Google W.E.B. Du Bois uh, <laughs> and, and you Google W.E.B. Du Bois and you Google this quote, a uh, system cannot fail those it was never built to protect. That quote is actually attributed to W.E.B. Du Bois on like official quotes you know all those quotes whatever az websites <laughs> right. it's on those as attributed to him mm-hmm. i tweeted that after uh and this is the, you know the sad part of the story after we realized george zimmerman was not going to face any real uh consequence and i tweeted that it got picked up rihanna 
did not retweet it. She kind of quote tweeted and didn't put me in the the, the tweet. But it's she all stole good. Your, she stole your quote. Yeah, yeah. Mm. Rihanna stole my my tweet. Um, <laughs> you know, but it's all good. Like mm-hmm. Chris Rock at one point tweeted it. It had like thousands and thousands of retweets and people over time just started misattributing it very quickly. So it wasn't even W.E.B. Du Bois at first. It was like people, Meek Mill tweeted it without giving me credit. So people said Meek Mill said it. <laughs> so I'm, I'm so serious. People thought Meek Mill said something. Yeah. So to clarify, this quote, a system cannot fill those it was never meant to protect. It's something that came from your actual brain. Right. And I just Googled it and all over the internet. I'm on Democratic Underground right now. They got this quote. So I'm Mount Du Bois said it. This is hilarious. This is the power of Twitter, right? And the power of this community and family that we have. It's oh actually God. on a couple of people's tombstones. And they sent me what? those. Yeah. What? They sent me on their tombstone over their name is <gasps> that quote. And what does that feel like? You know, it was <laughs> it was two active service members who were actually killed in, in duty. And oh they God. had it put over their tombstones. And I still can't process it. Yeah. Yeah. You are at the Atlantic now. Yeah. And you were recruited by a one Mr. ta Coates, if I heard that correctly. Excuse yes. me? Talk to me about this, Tell sir. me that Talk damn story. Me. So I had, you know, been in contact somewhat with the editors. There was a, you know, a some of a courtship. I was unsure about whether I was going to leave my current position because it's been so, so it hasn't been a long time. I just started. And Ta-Nehisi, uh, he messaged me and was like, you know, I really hope you come and I've seen your work. They've all seen your work and they mm. love it. And this is like Kanye at the end of last call. <laughs> where, you know, you, where he's talking to Jay-Z. He's talking to Jay-Z. He's like, you think we get a contract with Rockefeller Music? And I'm like, mm. I feel, I, I've never felt that uh, special. I, know, I didn't know that people, that my writing resonated with people in that way. And mm. that's a, huge affirmation of, and you know, I, I couldn't like breathe I was mm. uh, my wife Kay came in and found me on the couch just like with my hands folded over my chest oh, <laughs> it's the big one it's yeah, the big one yeah. Elizabeth I almost didn't make it oh. okay so I want to switch gears to talk about sci-fi fantasy and Afrofuturism because I do not know the difference between the three okay so I actually don't really distinguish science fiction from fantasy that much anymore what's the real difference between like a science fiction novel where people are doing this science stuff that's basically magic that doesn't Mm -hmm. exist versus a story where people are using magic Mm -hmm. it's just you know one represents a fictionalized present one or future one represents a fictionalized past afrofuturism is taking all those things all that speculative fiction in all different genres and putting on like the classic black not just black American, but that that the diaspora, mm. putting that twist and that voice on those things. So instead of The Wizard of Oz, which is a very classic fantasy slash sci-fi uh, novel and uh, movie, we get mm. The Wiz, which if, if you've seen the live one, The Wiz has all types. Of, you know, we got Black Salvation in that thing. Mm. We got a choir coming up. Yes. We got robots. <laughs> we got everything in that. Mm. And it's, it's a beautiful just fusion. It's like a gumbo, right? Yeah. yeah. It's beautiful. I, I believe it's Juno Diaz, but I got to look it up. He has this quote about how science fiction pulls so much from African-American struggle, like to understand that this abstract group of humans are oppressed and this particular institution is fighting them in this way, like pulls from real historical things that have happened to black people, but you never see black people in science fiction. Mm-hmm. Right. That's just crazy. Which it's is crazy, wild right? when you consider that with science fiction, you get to control everything, the entire you can universe. You make up anything. You put whoever you want <laughs> in the story. And even in this fake ass land, I can't get like a little. That's a little not piece. realistic. <laughs> <laughs> they wouldn't have brown elves, right? Now, <laughs> now, come on, this? we can what have dragons, this? but these black people. No, 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 <laughs> no, no, no way, no. no way. Nobody's gonna believe that, guys. You wrote this super, super dope piece about this on Seven Scribes mm-hmm. about how the Wiz is a subversive political act, and it sounded really smart, but there's a lot that I didn't understand. So, okay. can you talk to us about that a little bit? Okay, so I think anytime when you Take something that is all white, like The Wizard of Oz is, and you you make it all black. That's very political. So so it changes, I think, 
And it's not just a swap, a one-for-one swap, black white folks or black folks. It's not just that. Mm. So in The Wiz, we have a really, anytime, the, the munchkins are sort of enslaved, right? Mm-hmm. The munchkins are slaves in any version of the story. They're slaves to the witch. Mm. In a black story, that becomes a very different message. Right, right. We're talking about someone coming in and, and, and becoming a, and her, a black woman also, a black woman, her self-awareness and self-belief becomes this revolutionary thing for these munchkins who are enslaved. And also in The Wiz, they sort of make it like an industrial slavery. So they're actually mm-hmm. working for the witch. Now, that's yeah. a very strong allegory, I think. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and you know, her, the whole thing about the ruby slippers, for, for in, in the regular story, the ruby slippers represent the fact that it was always in her all along, right? Mm-hmm. For a black woman, that's so revolutionary. The power mm-hmm. is within you mm-hmm. all along. And I think that's just beautiful. Oh, I love that. Right? We will put this piece in the newsletter as well. The newsletter is just going to be a bunch of your stories. Apparently. <laughs> um, who are you in The Wiz? Are you are you in want of a heart, of mm. courage, of... A brain. A brain of or the other home. one. Of a home, yeah. That's I think question. I am... I identify with the lion. Mm. I don't think I'm a coward, but I think the lion's problem is that masculinity is so fragile, right? He, he, <laughs> He conflates a lot of like being brash and like just fighting people with with real courage. And I think that's something I'm still trying to examine and break out of. So mm. Let's move on to our rapid fire question segment. Pew, 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 pew. These are finger guns. Oh, yeah. Pew, 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 pew. First question. Do you identify as a member of Team Natural? Yes, I do. What is your routine, your hair routine? Ooh. What are your Holy Grail products? Holy Grail products for me are the uh, Shea Moisture Raw Shea uh, mm. Shampoo. It's really good. Also the uh, Matching Conditioner. Mm-hmm. Uh, the uh, uh, There's a Grapefruit moisture locking thing i use from jane Ooh. carter it's, it's beautiful yeah jane carter jane you carter. are woke as hell when it comes to the hair product <laughs> i love hearing men talk about natural hair me too so do you twist you just watch and go uh, i started doing twists recently mm-hmm. um, my hair is really thick so it's really hard and to twist uh, yeah so most times wash and go yeah there is this great moment nice. on twitter where everyone was tweeting about stealing your girl's satin Yo, bonnet i was gonna bring that up <laughs> no. i hope that becomes like a widespread thing steal your girl's satin bonnet pictures of dudes like Big ass dudes in like little purple silky lacy bonnets. It's Take the most care of your hair, thing. gentlemen. Yes, I absolutely. Wore, I wore my wife's bonnet before I went to my last job interview. I got the job. That's all I'm Damn. saying. That's all I'm saying. Correlation. correlation. Yeah. Yes. Yes. <laughs> so speaking of how great your hair looks, please tell the people about Do Rag History Week. Oh my god, it's the best thing. That Iconic. Has come of- <laughs> it really is. I woke up one day and said, "This week's going to be Do Rag History Week." <laughs> Is that literally how it happened? That is literally how it happened. Yes. yes. I love this origin story so much. That was my first tweet that day. <laughs> and after that, I tweeted a picture of Sammy Davis Jr. counting money in a dressing room With a in a durag. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like the pictures that people were finding, like actual pictures of like actual historical celebrities <laughs> actually wearing durags. I was like, y'all got to be Photoshopping this shit. <laughs> no, this was legendary. Like I actually saw... 1946 pictures of do-rags like i saw like family histories of do-rags like people's grandparents were in (laughs) do-rags it was really special yeah it's like the family crest (laughs) the black family family (laughs) do-rag so you wrote this great article for buzzfeed called why do-rag history week is more than a joke on the anniversary of do-rag history week a year later (laughs) and the the cool thing about the article is that you know, something as irreverent as like a do-rag and jokes on Twitter about do-rags, you took and spun into like this beautiful account of like how black people congregate in like online public spaces and how the function of like humor and laughter and like this kind of bonding like really helps to like cement us all together. So we'll put a link to this in our newsletter and you should note the art for this essay has... Uh, a picture of George Washington <laughs> crossing the Delaware River. Crossing the Delaware River in a fucking do-rag. It's incredible. So suggest some some writers who do 
some good black writers who do sci-fi, Afrofuturism stuff. The only person that I could think of, well, the only two people that I know of were Octavia Butler and Kese Lehman. Mm-hmm. So who are some other writers people should check out so if they're wanting to like break into the genre? Okay. Um, I think the, the biggest uh, one for me is um, Aliyah Don Johnson. And she is a, a wonderful writer. Mm. And uh, I'm actually blanking on the title of her latest book, but it's about, it centers on a Afrofuturistic Brazil. And it's got, you know, everything you'd want. Mm. And it's actually a, a young adult story. So, you know, I feel Ooh. like when you want to get your low-key young adult on in the train. <laughs> I'm in. Yeah, so so she's my big recommendation. She's mm. incredible. Love that. Amazing. Is there a 90s trend that's come back that you actually like that it came back? I like the high tops. Ooh, yeah, yes. Yeah. He's like not about the shoes or the fade. Both. Mm. Yeah, Ooh, we'll okay. Go with both. Yeah. Okay. Um, but I, I I love high top fades. And yes. if my head wasn't so weird shape, I'd have one. <laughs> I was about to say you have the perfect hair for a high top. <laughs> yeah, I could cut it, but it wouldn't look right. Yo, I mean, yeah. kids, okay. There I was, don't want to okay. make that mistake of getting the cut and then I'm like, damn. <laughs> <laughs> Shouldn't have done it. There was a that. story on Marketplace about the trend of the high top fade. <gasps> oh, Listen. my God. I listen to Marketplace. I need some economic wisdom. <laughs> sure, sure. I got so upset about this article. I still think about it. I think it was from like 2012 or something. Let me tell you why I was upset. One, they suggested like this person spends 500 a month on product and weekly shape-ups. Nah, B. Who did you talk to? 500 a month? My haircuts for a regular cut are $30 per cut. So every two weeks... That's sixty dollars for uh, a month. Sixty Hold times on, I'm twelve this up. <laughs> is seven hundred and twenty dollars a, a year. Okay, so yeah. the most egregious part of this article is the host Kai Rizdal, who is obviously white. It was suggested that Kai Rizdal had a version of the high top fade with Boiler a picture alert. of him. With a picture of him, we're gonna put this. We should put this picture in a new. We can see you, Kai. <laughs> <laughs> we can see you, and we know what a high top fade actually That's not is. It. It's not even a version. It's it was not even like, like distant the cousin. Like, it was like barely puffy, like uh, on like the left quadrant. You can't uh, be in everything. Not. Let us right. have one thing. Everything oh, ain't no. about you. Shout out to Marketplace though. Right. <laughs> you should know they're on point. <laughs> this was so fun. I enjoyed this. Please come back again to visit. Um, what are you working on? Where can people find you on social media? Have you created anything amazing lately that you just need people to see? Okay. Well, I am on Twitter as uh, Five Fifths. I'm on Facebook, but you'll need to find me there. <laughs> uh, <laughs> again, I am the uh, co-founder of Seven Scribes at sevenscribes.com. We have just uh, started the 707 podcast where we will be inter- uh, interviewing experts on all different uh, issues. And uh, soon enough, you'll be able to find me at The Atlantic. So. And that's five-fifths spelled out. Five is spelled out, not the number, F-I-V-E-F-I-F-T-H-S. Do mm. not forget the second F there. Mm-hmm. Five-fifths. Five-fifths. <laughs> yeah. Yo, check out Seven Scribes. They're doing it's dope so shit. It's so good. And we know a lot of the writers are all really, really smart. It's so refreshing to find new black media. Yeah. That's yeah. exciting. Also, like, black writery squads have been, like, a staple of, like... Black history. Hell yeah. Black history month. To yeah. bring it full circle. <laughs> yes. Absolutely. Yo, thanks for coming by this dude. It was so well, fun. Thanks for having me. Yes. We're still doing Black History Month rounds. Yes. Which I'm excited about. Yes. Blacker History Month yes. rounds. Yes, excuse me. Uh-huh, uh-huh. Heaven, who are you buying around for? You guys, I'm so excited. <laughs> who is it? Who is it? I'm buying around for... The Proud Family. Mm. An incredible show that With needs a great to... Theme song. Okay. Oh, let me get started. Let me yes, get started. Get into it. <laughs> it's an incredible show that needs to go down in black history is what mm-hmm. I'm saying. That's my argument. Hard <clears throat> agree. <clears throat> Thesis. <laughs> <laughs> so, first of all, has the best theme song, as yes. Tracy mentioned. Destiny's Child and Solange. <laughs> the Proud Family. The four of them. Thing you do. And there's a, like a really sweet video of like them when they were they were you know the like graffiti shirts with your name on it. Solange uh-huh. <laughs> has one of those on. Oh, the Airbrush so T. We should get Airbrush T-shirt. Ooh, we'll talk about that. Let's later. bring that back. So it stars little little black girl named Penny Proud. Mm-hmm. <laughs> And I just loved it because 
I we didn't have cable growing up, but this is one of the shows they put on like Saturday mornings for us. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so there's this one episode where Penny uh, wants to play football, but mm. they won't let her try out for the football team because she's a that girl. Episode. And I strongly identified with that. Uh, did you want to play football? Yes. When Aww. I when I was 13, I remember this so so clearly. <laughs> I really really wanted a football, and my mom wouldn't get it because she's like. You're a girl. <laughs> Why do you need this? <laughs> I'm good at arguing. Uh-huh. <laughs> so I won that argument mm-hmm. and I got my football and Aww. I felt like Penny Proud. <laughs> I wasn't going to try out for the boys' football team. Uh huh. What you got your I football? Got, I got my football. You so said, fuck these gender roles. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> so what I like about the show is like she had her little squad. Um, they had interesting names. Dijanay. Dijanay. When I when I went to LA, I realized. <laughs> They really played my girl, La Cienica Boulevardis. <laughs> <laughs> Ma'am, why is, your, why is your name a street? <laughs> maybe the street was named after her. Maybe, maybe. Probably not. Probably but not. they also had like a crazy amount of guest stars. Mm-hmm. Most F was a spoken word contest judge. Of course he was. <laughs> of course. Uh, Mariah Carey had like a pet monkey and like Penny's mom was like checking out the monkey. <laughs> I was like, what is happening? And then there's a time where Omarion starred as 15 cents. Oh my God. <laughs> I love this show so much. It was like, there'd be episodes where she'd be like, I'm struggling to understand my heritage. Mm-hmm. Or just like, you know, I'd want to play football. Yeah. Also, there's like the like one white girl <laughs> in the squad. <laughs> yeah, with the, she had red hair and braces and Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. She was the, the one woke one. Yeah. <laughs> yes. The one woke white girl in the squad. <laughs> also, I remember recently reading a theory on the internet that the reason the gross sisters, which are the bullies in this show, mm-hmm. are blue is because they're ashy. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, wait, so, you read this where? On the internet, of course. Oh, well, then it's true. It's, it's on the I saw it on Tumblr, therefore. <laughs> but like, you know, everyone in that world has like, I, I would say regular skin. Uh-huh. And then these them. bullies are all blue. <laughs> There's no explanation like why. hair, skin, clothes, everything. everything. Yeah. It doesn't make sense. <laughs> but apparently they were ashy. How's, how is y'all, how are your clothes ashy though? <laughs> Oh my god! Hey, you need lotion for your clothes. Uh, a friend of mine, Doreen Saint Felix, likes to say, "Ashy's not even on the beauty spectrum; it's on the morality spectrum." <laughs> <laughs> right? It's not about looking cute. Listen, this is your it's duty about to taking care. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Anyways, I love the show so much, y'all. We're gonna put some some links to some of the yes. some of the episodes, the theme song, Ooh, definitely. My favorite character from the show was the uncle. <laughs> oh yes, who only like. Spoke the way that Cameo sang. <laughs> he was like, oh, y'all, going to the store, y'all. That's all he did. I thought it was so, so funny. This is not Black History as in something that happened years ago. Okay. I only read the story like a week ago. Oh, oh, that's in the past. It happened in the past, right? Also, I'm pretty sure that this woman is going to go down in history as the only person to do what she's done. Okay. My round is for a woman named Noella Rocundo. Her story is crazy. I read about it in the Washington Post, and we will be sure to put a link to it in the newsletter because you absolutely have to read it. She's a black woman Mm -hmm. who is living in Australia, Melbourne. Oh, man, pray for her. This woman crashed her own funeral. What? Okay. <laughs> How do you mean? Check this out. So her husband, Belinga Kalela, her ain't shit, no good ass husband, <laughs> tried to have her killed. I think she has like six, seven children, Jesus maybe Christ. eight. And he decided to have her killed. So he goes to these two dudes and he like arranges the whole thing. Oh my God. They kidnap her and like take her to like this random oh place. Oh my God. And they like handcuff her. Jesus. And let me read for you what happened then. One asked her, you woman, what did you do for this man to pay us to kill you? Which is a fucked up question. She responds, what are you talking about? (laughs) (laughs) And then they're like, Belinga, her husband sent us to kill you. Um, She thought they were lying. So she was like, y'all bullshit. They wouldn't do this. (laughs) Then they laugh at her. They're like, you're a fool. Then on a telephone, there was the sound of a dial tone. And then her husband's voice was on the other line. And she could hear him say, kill her. (gasps) Isn't that ridiculous? It says they weren't going to kill her, the men didn't explain. They didn't believe in killing women, and they knew her brother. So she had the familial hookup 
then they were additionally like, we don't like your husband, so we're not going to do this for him. Ooh, <laughs> yes. Like, he's not he's not a good man at all. But they would keep her husband's money and tell him that she was dead. After two days, they set her free on the side of a road, but not before giving her a cell phone, recording of their phone conversations with Kalayla, and receipts for the $7,000 in Australian dollars they allegedly received in payment. So it's weird because the kidnappers are terrible people because they kidnap people and evidently like kill them too sometimes. But they were like, <laughs> we don't kill women, so we're not going to kill you. Thanks. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, assassin with a heart of gold. I don't know. That sounds straight out of a movie, yo. And this woman goes not back to her home mm. where her husband is. She like hides out, yo, until the funeral. Yo, she doesn't tell. She doesn't contact her family. Yo, she doesn't let her kids know she's okay. This is like J Lo and enough, right? Oh my gosh, I love that movie. She's probably so like bad. practicing boxing, <laughs> right? Funeral day comes, and I. Th- think she waited until like it was over and everybody was like exiting the church and she's like standing outside by a car like surprise bitch <laughs> <laughs> thought you never see me again didn't you and he's like oh my gosh you're a ghost you're a ghost she's oh like i'm God. not a ghost fool <laughs> and like the fucked up thing about this story is that now like people are like sending her death threats for getting the police involved at all what? i'm like what was she supposed to do let him walk the streets so he can try to kill her again so he can find some assassins who do not have hearts of gold Jesus Christ. It's ridiculous. It's ridiculous. But the idea of just walking into your own funeral, <laughs> like you let your entire family mourn you because you mm. had a point to prove. Yes. I'm not mad at all. <laughs> but what I would have done, I would have like. <laughs> sure, so you popped sh- this through. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. And the days leading up to the funeral, I'd have like popped up wherever he was and just like slowly <laughs> walked by or like just sat in the corner and stared at him. <laughs> Why he freaks out because he thinks he's seeing a ghost. Oh, my God. And then, like, disappear. And then just leave. And then just, like, bounce for a day. Oh, yeah. And then come back. She could have haunted him a little more. She could have. She <laughs> Not <could've>. to critique. <laughs> Ma'am, you're slaying right now. But I do think Your you could have crashing was grade A, definitely. <laughs> you could have upped the haunting game. Oh, my gosh. So, this woman is amazing. She is my black history hero. Yo. For many reasons. How you pop up at your own funeral. I feel like there are so many stories we don't know about of yeah. women incredibly surviving, mm-hmm. like violence at the hands of their spouses yeah. or significant others. Mm-hmm. Where like they incredible just, tales. Yes, incredible feats. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Fuck a Mount Everest climb. Right. This is, <laughs> these are mountains <laughs> that are insurmountable. So shout out to Noella Rocundo for crashing her own damn funeral. Black Art History Month hero. Yes. Kevin McGee, guess what? (laughs) (laughs) Sorry. That never gets old. We did it again. Tracy, we made it. Hey. We want to give a shout out to Van Newkirk for rolling through. Shout out to Julianne. Shout out to Matt Bellasai. Oh my gosh, Matt freaking Bellasai. Thank you for existing. (laughs) Shout out to the Pod Squad. Squad. This podcast was produced by Eleanor Kagan with editorial oversight from Jenna Weiss Berman. Production help from Julia Furlan and Meg Kramer. Thank you to Paul Ruest at Argo Studios. And also thank you to Noriko Akabe. Music credits. Thank you to our in-house musicians, Miss Jean Gray. You can and should follow her at Jean Greasy. And Don Wheel of the Almighty Tanya Morgan. You can follow him at D-O-N-W-I-L-L. Thank you to Heaven McGee. <laughs> Thank you to Tracy, Vibe Vixen of the Week. Yes. Never gets old. Can we upgrade it to Vibe Vixen of the Month? I feel like that would be easier. Vibe Vixen of the Millennium. Oh, <laughs> shit. You can follow Tracy at Brokey McPoverty. And you can follow Heaven at Heaven Rants. That's Heaven like the place up in the sky that your <laughs> you mama to told you about. <laughs> I want to. And Rants. As in the thing that old white men do all the fucking time. Ooh, nice addition. Mm -hmm. Y'all, if you have not signed up for our newsletter yet, you should do it right now because there will often be clips and things that did not make it into the episode that we will sneak into the newsletter for you. So if you haven't signed up, go do it at BuzzFeed.com slash another round slash newsletter. Also, another thing that you can look forward to seeing in our newsletters from here on out is a Black Podcast Spotlight. Email us. You can submit your own podcast or another podcast that you like. Um, We will need the following information to put it in the newsletter. Please grab a pencil and take notes. We will need the name of the podcast. 
We will need a description of or the mission statement of your podcast. Tell us how to listen to it, a website, and a link to your favorite episode of this podcast so that we can direct people to a good starting place. Um, We've already gotten like probably nearly 200 submissions, so... We're basically never going to run out of black podcasting if you, especially if you submit, 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 submit. Also, check out our brother slash sister podcast. I'm going to say sister. (laughs) Yeah, you know what? Let's center the women right now. Check out our sister podcast, The Tell Show, which was recently launched. Its hosts are Isaac Fitzgerald, who is dreamy, and Summer Ann Burton, who is even dreamier. And also Internet Explorer, hosted by your two favorite internet weirdos. (laughs) Hayden Atopolis and Ryan Broderick, they're all really, 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 really good. And hit us on the buzz. Hey. Hit us on the buzz. Hey. Hit us on the buzz. On the motherfucking buzz. (laughs) You can find us on Twitter at Facebook. No, you 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 well, cool. You know, I try to do the church snap thing. Never mind. <laughs> it's okay, it JC. <laughs> you can find us on Twitter and Facebook at another round. Um you can email us at anotherround.com if you have questions, concerns, thoughts, feedback, mm-hmm. other things. Love letters. Love letters. Ooh. Ooh. Send us some love. <laughs> Rate us on iTunes if you're a fan of the show. Tell a friend, tell your mom. If you're not a fan of the show, pray about it. Pray yeah, changes just, things. Pray God will find Amen. a way Amen. to fix what's oh, happening. Hallelujah! <laughs> um, drink some water. Ooh, ooh, ooh. Wait, 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 wait. I got a new floss to tell y'all about. Real quick, I'm going to wrap <laughs> oh, it up. Listerine, wrap it up. Listerine Ultra Clean Floss. I don't know if it's as good as Oral-B Glide, oh but it's, it's close. It's like They're not even paying sort of, you for this. <laughs> I don't do this for the money. I do this because I care about y'all's gum health. <laughs> Check it out. Call your mama. Take your meds. Take a walk. All Thanks, right. y'all. Bye. Obama and them. <laughs> Obama and them. Right. Obama and them. If Mitt Rodney does, if Mitt Rodney Yo, does Mitt not Rodney. have a high <laughs> <laughs> That's, That man sounds black. <laughs> Yo, he does. <laughs>